Hi, my name is Emma. I'm a member of your um, super fund and I just have a question I wanted to ask. As the legal retirement age in Australia continues to rise, people are being forced to work into the later years of life, many working well into their late 60s and 70s. For some, they may want to continue to work, and many do. But for others, when they've reached this age, they feel as though they've done their dues, and it's time to hang up one's hat. But looking to retirement, there's another concern that lingers in people's minds that troubles not just those on the cusp of retiring, but those in the middle of their working life, and even those who are just getting started. And that's ensuring you have the money you need when it's time to retire. This is a concern that is rattling many today, where particularly in a place like Sydney, home to one of the most expensive housing markets in the world, more and more are becoming concerned that a comfortable post-work life is just a pipe dream, an unachievable goal that many feel should be a guarantee. In 1992, sworn in by the Keating Labor government, the superannuation guarantee charge scheme began, which was in some ways an attempt to relieve some of the money worries Australians have come retirement. The compulsory system sees 9.5% of your wage go towards a super fund, where the fund you're with will make investments on your behalf, which come back to you in the form of returns, aggregating money, to compile your super. But some 26 years after the scheme was introduced, superannuation has become about much more than just your retirement nest egg. Today, producer Emma Rappaport helps us explore how your super investments could be funding some of the most environmentally destructive projects on the planet. And how, up until now, funds have kept these investments behind closed doors. And I just wanted to find out what you're invested into. This is Think Sustainability. I'm Jake Morecambe. I'm Emma Rappaport. Today, there are around 500 superannuation funds operating in Australia, which can make finding the one that works for you quite tricky. But what's even harder is figuring out where your investments are going. The superannuation industry is opaque. This is Glenn Klatovsky from environmental activist group 350.org. It is quite disaggregated. You have the industry funds, you have the banks and other financial services providers. And it seems like there's a conspiracy by default to be reasonably unclear about where the sector's going, uh, what it's investing in. The interesting thing is that 
superannuation funds don't have to tell you exactly what they're doing with your money. Michael Bones from Future Super says for the most part, there's a reason behind the lack of disclosure. And that's because many of the investments made by funds continue to go into questionable industries. Into gambling, tobacco, armaments, live exports and fossil fuels. But over the past few years, Michael says citizens have started asking more questions when it comes to their super. And more are aware of the fact that their funds may be making investments on their behalf that they themselves wouldn't support. For example, even just at the moment, there's a 23-year-old man by the name of Mark McVeigh who's suing his superannuation fund around a lack of disclosure on climate issues. Mark is pursuing legal action against REST on the basis that the fund is failing to provide information on how their investments may contribute towards climate change. These murky processes are common across the industry, where too the WestConnex motorway scheme set to rattle Sydney has enraged many not only due to the sheer size of the development, but amid reports that a number of super funds may jump on it to invest seeing the large-scale transport project as an opportunity for significant returns. The nuts and bolts of it is that people should be able to, f- to know what their money's doing, and they should also be able to have a choice to align that with their values. The ethical approach to super, however, is slowly beginning to stretch beyond the consumer mindset. The Future Super Fund, of which Michael is the head of engagement for, was launched back in 2014, claiming to be the first super fund in Australia to exclude fossil fuels from their investment portfolio. So from Future Super's perspective, how do you decide what goes in a portfolio and what gets chucked out? To boil it down, it's really the simple question of what is the impact of this company on people, on the environment, and also how is this company structured, how they organise, do they treat their employees well or not? And with that sort of broad lens of is there a harm associated with this company's product or the way it does business, then that, across a whole range of measures, ends up resulting in the companies that we would choose. Healthcare, IT, food markets and renewable energy make up just some of Future Super's holdings. And they do list all their holdings, all the company and organisation names, on their website for public access. Which, when comparing to many other funds out there, who may mention a few of their holdings or an overall approach to investment, Future Super does provide a much greater deal of information. That being said, any super fund's main goal at the end of the day is to make a return for its members. So yes, Future Super in theory can be 100% fossil fuel free, but not completely removed from industries that carry an environmental footprint. Nike and Starbucks are two conglomerates in Future Super's portfolio. And on top of that, like many funds, they're invested into a range of banks and property companies. But in choosing which big wigs they invest into, Michael says the same screening principles apply. So, for example, with that international side of the portfolio, we'd look for companies that are 60% more carbon efficient than average within their industry. And then you can add additional layers to it as well. So, for example, we'll add a market cap 
So sorry if that's a bit jargonistic, but it's basically looking for big companies. So you know, they, if they're over five billion dollars, so they're well-established companies, then we can get to what we see as what our members want to see their money doing. The superannuation system is not removed from the money-making tactics of the market economy, but Stuart Palmer from Superfund Australian Ethical notes the point of difference here is the degree of transparency. You should be asking uh, your super fund, you know, whether they do invest in particular sectors. Stuart says if it's not so clear on their website, making a call. Hi, my name's Jake. Um, Or sending an email to your fund and asking them who or what you are invested into. I just wanted to find out what you're invested into. Not only informs you as a member... But by asking, you're working to hold some of the bigger funds accountable. Super funds have previously thought that, well, no one really chose an ethical option or people didn't really know that they existed. Michael Bones from Future Super. That then provides incentives for the other super funds to start to actually listen to what their members want uh, and to do something about it. As more people reconsider the investments of their super provider there do remain a number of barriers that may discourage people from making the switch. One of those being that a fund like Future Super is more expensive than your standard industry fund, where, for example, they may take more money out of your returns to cover administrative costs. The first point is that there's more work to be done. We do all the financial analysis as any fund would, and in addition to that there's a layer of the ethical screening. So that additional work is either done in-house or we also need help from experts in particular industries, so we will need to commission reports. Another issue with ethical funds is that they're usually smaller and younger. So the additional fees could be attributed to helping the fund find its feet. The fees might be a bit higher up front, but the take-home at the end of the day is a return that members can be proud of that is still comparable and competitive in terms of the return for members. Meaning, the return for members is the same as that of an industry fund. The superannuation pool is $2.6 trillion. Mm -hmm. Ethical super makes up a growing but a relatively small size Mm. of that. Should members feel as if they're, you know, actually capable of making a difference in such a big system by making a choice to go ethical. Yeah. Yeah, I think the power of ethical super is is amplified beyond its percentage of mainstream. Stuart Palmer from Australian Ethical. It, it drives public debate, influences the behaviour of other mainstream investors. Have a listen to what's happening at the Royal Commission. The ongoing Royal Commission into Misconduct in the Banking, Superannuation and Financial Services Industry has raised some pretty heavy allegations. Earlier this month, National Australia Bank and Commonwealth Bank both denied they engaged in criminal conduct in managing the money of their Superfund members. Banks A&P, ANZ and Suncorp have all been held to question regarding their superannuation management. As the major super funds face ongoing scrutiny, this holds them to a new standard. Where Stuart Palmer from Australian Ethical notes, from this point on, 
No longer will ethical or responsible investing be considered a fringe activity. It's a very forward-looking part of the investment industry, which is, is going to increase in power very rapidly. Up next, should we give up our retirement savings to save the planet? When I think about, I guess, the basis of superannuation, you know, superannuation was put in to ensure that people didn't retire with nothing, that there wouldn't be a burden both on the state or their children. I'm just, I'm confused about when this became about climate change and about renewable energy. Are we putting our retirement savings at risk by doing these things? First and foremost, um, all the evidence right now is that renewables, if you're investing in energy anywhere in the world, is the best investment. Glenn Klotowski from 350.org. As I said, it is now, in many cases, cheaper than fossil fuels, which means that the returns will be greater. And the evidence now is clear that if you stop investing in fossil fuel, coal-fired power stations, gas-fired power stations, your returns will be higher. One of the worst performing sectors over the last five or six years, domestically and globally, it's resources and energy in the traditional resource and energy space. And the reason is because the world has moved on and technology has moved on. I just wonder, will people naturally make the switch? Like, people make the switch to funds that are performing better, I guess. That's right. And I wonder, you know, is it worth the effort to make people make that switch before those returns are actually coming through in the market? Yeah, this is a really complex one. I would love to say that people are so switched on about their superannuation and they're making strategic economic and personal decisions about different superannuation schemes, but the reality is most people stay with the same uh, fund. Although funds like Future Super have matched the returns of their counterparts, there are still those that outperform ethical funds. Glenn says in the divestment era, one of 350.org's newfound roles is to try advocate the benefits of ethical funds investing into renewables not just in the sense that they do have the capacity to generate you a return, but the good that these investments can do. And to try strengthen this case. We were approached by Future Super, also by 350.org. They got in touch with these two. So my name is Scott Dwyer. Hi, my name is Johan. Who are both from the Institute for Sustainable Futures at the University of Technology, Sydney. What they wanted us to do was to build on some previous work we had done around 100% renewable energy scenarios. Building on models of what is needed on behalf of cities, states and countries to transition to 100% renewable energy, this new project was looking at how much of Australia's transition could be funded by retirement savings. A very small slice of that overall savings would be required to fund this transition and this transition isn't just a cost, it's actually a benefit as well. The report found that just 7.7% of the Australian super money pool would be needed to fund 100% renewable energy by the year 2030. 
And on top of that, the complete decarbonization of the energy sector, which includes the transport, industries, and residential, would only require 12.4% of super savings by the year 2050. These savings could go into more renewable infrastructure projects. Like solar panels, wind turbines. And renewable energy assets represent the fastest growing global infrastructure subsector, estimated to be worth 430 billion Australian dollars. And nearly half of all new global infrastructure investments are now going into renewables. So why is that happening? Because these projects can deliver a long-term stream of steady cash flows. So they're very steady investment returns. 2050, I know, uh, maybe seems like a long time away. Um, but at the same time, in I guess we're only talking a period of about 30 years here. Do you think that uh, it's realistic to say we really could transform to becoming a 100% renewable energy economy if this investment is made? I mean, it's a great question. Is this even possible? It will require major re-engineering of the infrastructure. We already see it underway for the power generation sector, the move away from fossil to renewables, where it's becoming cost competitive. We're seeing it in the residential sector. There are some remaining challenges around transport, around industrial processes, but There's nothing there which we believe is economically, technically impossible, uh, but will require a huge effort and perhaps the types of investment we're talking about aren't as huge as people maybe originally would have thought. What we also really like to do is connect people to their investments as well. Michael Bones from Future Super. Whenever there's a new solar farm that's getting launched, and if we know that there are members in the nearby area, we'll essentially arrange a tour for the launch. There's the Williamsdale Solar Farm in the ACT that launched uh, last year, I believe, and to connect our members with what their money's doing. We hired a bus, we got everyone together, took them out, and they got to stand in front of panels that they had invested in. We had some uni students talking about how they didn't really think that they had that much money and that you know, they really felt part of something bigger, all the way through to retirees who were getting a sense of satisfaction knowing that they're making a better future for their grandkids. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia by the Community Radio Network. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts, and we're also on iTunes. <laughs>